All right, good afternoon, everybody. I'm here with Comptroller Peter Francho down in our state's capital in Annapolis. And man, Comptroller, I think I caught you on a good day uh, to to come on and do a podcast. And I, t- I told Susan, uh, your director of communications, I asked her before we came on, I said, is he going to be rowdy for me today? So you walked in. I think you had a little stagger in your step. But uh, man, what? Let's let's just start out with... A topic that everybody's been talking about is Delegate Marianne Lasante. Um, she, of course, was um, in the news last week, big time. And then at the Board of Public Works meeting, you made a public statement asking her to resign. We're, of course, we're talking about the the racial slur that she made at the Annapolis Cigar Bar. And you talked about this at the Board of Public Works meeting. In fact, you opened up your statement about that. What? Why do you think she's still hanging around Annapolis after she's clearly a lame duck, even as Delegate Daryl Barnes said, who's the chairman of the, uh, the Black Caucus? Well, at the Board of Public Works, with the governor sitting next to me and the, uh, and the treasurer, uh, we meet every two weeks. We vote on $450 million on average in contracts. It's a very important uh, meeting every two weeks, and I uh, indicated that uh, the term that was used was so hateful and so bigoted that uh, she, uh, the question of her resigning is no longer uh, even on the table. The legislature, the House of Delegates, needs to expel her for that, and um, I hope that they do that down the road. They claim that uh, they censored her, but uh, obviously uh, the term is just completely unacceptable in uh, 2019, and she should be expelled. Well, in, in your tenure in the Maryland House of Delegates, that you, you were in for 20 years, that, has it, have you ever voted on a, a censure vote before? Have you, have you been... In that role, a couple over on the Senate side, but uh, that's the censure is not the issue. The Senate, she needs to leave Naples. She doesn't have to be asked to voluntarily resign. But even more important, uh, not more important, but of, of interest to me, is the fact that for over a month, the leadership of uh, Annapolis, the I talk about the Annapolis bosses uh, having a tight hold on the legislature. Apparently they knew about this and there was a cone of silence one of the reporters described falling down over this incident and people were uh, as a result uh, we had to wait for this blockbuster of an article from the Washington Post almost more than a month after the incident occurred. So here we have a uh, absolutely uh, outrageous uh, comment that was publicly stated and apparently the uh, leadership uh, decided to circle the wagons and uh, prevent any scrutiny of this and I take my hat off Bill the other Wiggins of the Washington Post for breaking through a culture cynical culture of uh, silence and intimidation and retribution that exists down there in Annapolis, and uh, you know, hats off to her because otherwise, Ryan, we never would have known about it. 
Well, that's a great point, and I give a lot of credit to Ovita. That had to be a tough story to write for any reporter in this business. But you bring up an interesting point about the Speaker's office. If they knew about this incident two weeks ago, why didn't we know about it? Because it it feels like if the leadership had an idea what was happening, then it I, I get a sense that they tried to contain this crisis internally before making a decision. Is that indicative of the Annapolis culture, Comptroller? Like a almost, it seems like a a protection racket here in Annapolis. And if I look as someone who covers these issues, Comptroller, I, I you know, uh, if if the Speaker's office is listening, I wouldn't be surprised if I get a nasty gram from the Speaker's office to say, "Hey, look, you know, you you aren't being fair to this." I gave them several opportunities to make public comments to ask about what when they knew about it, at what point, and what they did, but. If if they're not unwill if they're unwilling to give me that information, I understand it. They have to circle the wagon. But speaking of which, you mentioned liquor. You mentioned uh, you know maybe this Annapolis this this the uh, the cigar bar. It would be interesting to see if they serve craft beer. Uh, just today, your regulatory authority here in Annapolis by the Maryland House of Delegates, they're coming at you, Comptroller. They're coming at your throat. What, what's your reaction to this about them taking away your regulatory authority? Uh, and they say it's not personal, but I saw the comments. I heard the comments from Senator Ben Kramer from Senate District 19 there in Montgomery County. It certainly seal, feels personal to me. Enforcement division. 
it doesn't hurt me at all. I'm the comptroller. I received more votes in the last election than any Marylander. Was it 1.6 million? 1.6 million, uh, 20,624, something like that. Yeah. My wife rolls her eyes when I say that. <laughs> but I think people vote for me because they don't see me as part of the uh, Annapolis machine, and they appreciate the independence. But in fact, I work hard. So this legislation that's being proposed is strictly because of my outspokenness and also because of my advocacy for craft beer. There's a big economic battle going on between small Maryland craft brewers and out-of-state brewers. And the out-of-state brewers have an economic interest in protecting their uh, niche from uh, these new entrants. And that's the basis of most of this emotion that's been expressed around this issue. I have uh, continued to articulate that I'm in favor of these Maryland small businesses that hire Marylanders and use Maryland agricultural products and are definitely on the rise up because they're more and more popular. Um, the machine is very connected to these uh, lobbyists who are basically determining what the beer legislation will look like. This year, they're going to be forced by embarrassment and ridicule and, and uh, visibility, they're going to pass a, a lot of the reforms that we advocated last year. But they're going to try to uh, publicly flog me uh, and do something uh, unrelated to my enforcement division as an effort to shut me up. Guess what? It isn't going to work. And uh, when I say change is coming, to Annapolis, I mean change is coming to this city. Well, and the, uh, the uh, ethical boundaries that are being pushed, the moral boundaries that are being pushed, the uh, legal boundaries that are being pushed, we're going to, uh, you know, defend ourselves and ask the people if this is really the kind of uh, representation they want. I mean, they're talking about helping kids through uh, education enhancements, and yeah, I'm all for that. Why would they waste fifty million dollars? How do you how do you arrive at the fifty million dollar figure? That is what you are your office is saying. That if you um, if if they take away the regulatory authority, this is the the bureauc essentially creating another level of bureaucracy. If if I have my notes correct, and it's you put out that it's going to cost the state fifty million. Dollars, fifty million dollars. How do you arrive at that figure? It's put out by the Bureau of Revenue Estimates, a professional organization in the state. So it's an independent organization. Well, it's independent. It happens to be made up of people who work for me, the treasurer, the governor, and the legislature. But it is renowned for its professionalism and accuracy. We just came out of the write down of uh, the current estimates. Uh, a few hours ago, and uh, I spent all day on the phone with the rating agencies up in New York City with the Bureau of Revenue Estimates, uh, petitioning them for a new AAA bond rating, which I believe we'll get. But it's because of the accuracy and the data-based revenue estimates that they are able to uh, present to the rating agencies that get us that AAA bond rating. Their finding is probably very conservative, but at least they looked at what the actual cost would be of relocating 
50 or 60 or 70 people and the costs that are associated with that. And the DLS folks over in uh, the legislature, uh, you know, nobody ever would say for a minute that they're anything but under the thumb of the Annapolis bosses because it's a legislative uh, panel. They came out with a much smaller estimate, but they didn't include, and in their, in their estimate, they said, Look, we can't even uh, we can't uh, give you an estimate on this because it's unclear what's going to happen, and we can't give you one on that because it's also unclear. So, who who are the Annapolis bosses? Let's just define that term. You talk about the machine. Uh, you talk about Annapolis bosses. Who are these bosses? Yeah, the Annapolis bosses are the people that are the small number of people that are in charge of the Senate and the House right now. So, Speaker everybody, Bush, everybody Mike Miller. Yeah. So. Let's go back. Let's talk about they created a committee to study alcohol, tobacco last year. One of your former colleagues from Western Maryland, I know him well, Bruce Pohl, he chaired this. Did you have any issues with their conclusion and their findings? I mean, clearly you've talked a lot about this. It's a ridiculous commission and a ridiculous report. It had no, I mean, if you read the report, which I have, it lacks credibility, lacks any kind of data. It's a document that was just put together for one purpose, to justify disassembling a very important part of the Comptroller's office and putting it elsewhere. And, uh, you know, the proof of that, I mean, it's totally under the control of the out-of-state beer cartel, for example, because two of the, one of the recommendations, I think, was to put big red letters on beer that's over 5% alcohol. Well, what beers are those? Craft beer. Now, what is uh, Miller, Budweiser, and Coors Light all have? You know, 4.5%. Well, and then it comes in with another health recommendation also. Don't let uh, beer and wine be sold in grocery stores. I mean, this is the uh, kind of the holy grail of the... Uh, well, as a Montgomery County resident, we can't get that. Yeah. They have a beer monopoly. And liquor monopoly in Montgomery County. I have to go to a county-owned store right down the street if I want to purchase wine, if I want to purchase a bottle of scotch to give my, my dad. Um, I understand why people would want to go to Frederick County or down to Virginia or over to these different counties. But um, the report lacks credibility because of its origin. Its origin was then uh, Delegate Kramer and still current Delegate Miller on the economic matter. Warren Miller, yeah. Pushing back on the craft beer advocacy that I was involved in, and they were defending the out-of-state incumbent uh, beer folks. So, do they get do they get campaign funds from them? So, uh, I don't know whether they do or don't. Well, they they trash they they've been saying and trashing you to say, hey, Franchos over here, he's getting money from these craft beers, yet he's regulating these guys. What's your response to that? Yeah. Do they feel under attack? Yes, they do, and their morale is way down, and they feel as if they're pawns in an obvious political battle. And, uh, you know, it's, that's, that's a shame. We're going to do what we can to uh, reassure them and uh, 
get them through this period, but it's very disruptive to them. I've talked to a lot of the legislators, Comptroller, and some are on your side. And look, I'll, I'll say, was it Johnny Mouts? He voted against this, um, I think it was out of committee, um, and then a couple, three other, or two others. Um, but I hear some of the legislators say, say that, well, if the Comptroller wouldn't have come so hard at us, yeah, it was, he made it personal. He got into the weeds. He got into the mud first, and that's why we've re- we're reacting like this. What would you say to that? cited most of those grudges and we should have and I indicated the record number of votes I got and I think it's because I represent uh, the public and uh, you know I was perfectly willing to uh, extend the olive branch this year but they decided to put in this bill and with another companion bill uh, which would have prohibited me I think from taking contributions from uh, alcohol interest but it conveniently uh, exempts delegates who actually make the policy of the state's liquor laws from that prohibition. So they're, they're the ones who started it in 2018, 2019, after the election, with uh, this, these two pieces of legislation. I'm just protecting, uh, frankly, the citizens of the state from this um, you know, act of retribution. Yeah, I, I do. I appreciate uh, Governor Hogan, who at the Board of Public Works meeting said, by the way, this legislation is nothing more than an act of revenge against uh, you, Mr. Comptroller, by the uh, powers to be well, for, for your advocacy of craft beer. And, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, him correctly describing that. I don't blame the, leg- the legislators for uh, not being uh, independent. I was in the legislature for 20 years. When the political bosses come and say, you have to vote this way, they will vote that way or they will get up and absent, absent themselves from the, uh, from the uh, voting. Uh, and it's, it's uh, I guess some people look at it and shake their head. I look at it and say, nope, reform is on its way. And uh, we're going to see a big improvement down the road. You've also mentioned Ben. You've, ben Kramer. I've asked Ben Kramer to come on and do a podcast, and I've also asked a few others to come on and talk about this issue um, with Len Foxwell, your chief of staff. I get hit. I get. I get. No, no. It's not going to be fair. It's not going to be fair. I want to talk about this issue out in the open, and I appreciate you coming on. You've also mentioned about Senator Ben Kramer. Um, there's some sort of building discrepancy that he uh, – well, I'll let you explain it. What was the issue with Senator Kramer's building in Montgomery County uh, related to, to alcohol? Well, there have been press accounts about the fact that Senator Kramer's company uh, does uh, – you know, they rent or they own shopping centers, and apparently they have the Montgomery Liquor Dispensary, which pays – excess of $20,000 a month in rent, and there are, I believe, uh, at least it was mentioned, of retail alcohol stores. So for him to get up on his high horse and say, uh, gee, uh, Francho takes, uh, uh, you know, that uh, someone takes campaign contributions from the alcohol industry, I mean, this is someone who's getting direct payments into his own personal finances. Warren Miller uh, the House champion for this legislation was one of the gentlemen down in the cigar bar who apparently uh, is 
during the evening, he's down there. He said he, he left before this incident happened. Well, uh, obviously, Delegate Lasani must have spoken to the wall because uh, everybody either left early or arrived late. But everybody still heard about it for a month. Yeah, it went like lightning through uh, the... Uh, I didn't hear about it, but they, obviously, everybody in the legislature did. And for over a month, they sat on it. And, and I, I see that as just the same... How do they have that kind of power to hold something like that under wraps? It's through threats of retribution, and uh, we're not going to pass your legislation, or we're going to do something bad to you. Uh, you have to stay silent. You have to look away from something you think is immoral. And uh, I, I'm fed up with that. I think a lot of people are, but right now it's in transition. Um, you, you know, going back to your time in the legislature, was it? Was it like that when you were here, where if you did not always follow the lead of, of leadership, did they come back and say, hey, Francho, you know, you got to vote this way or you're not going to be eligible for this or we're not going to do that for you? What do you what do you say? Yes. And I was a known uh, reformer and, uh, you know, I had to put up with it. Yeah. It was always, uh, we'll punish you, we'll have, uh, have retribution against you, we'll do something to you, we'll move your office, we'll give you a poor uh, parking spot, we'll move you to another committee, we won't pass your legislation. I mean, I keep reminding the new elected officials, you know, don't let them do that to you. Stay independent. But the machine is somewhat in a kind of a, almost the wheels falling off it uh, status. Uh, you know, their, their days are, I think, going to change now. I'm looking forward to being part of the debate that, that removes all of this uh, cultural fear from the rank and file uh, legislators. Let's say that the bill passes; it goes through both houses, goes to the governor's desk. I don't know how the governor's going to vote. I I predict that he'll um, veto this bill, but if they have enough to override this, which it seems like that they might have, to strip you of your authority. What are you going to do? Are you going to go back out and fight on this uh, and, and talk to Marylanders about what happened and talk more about the machine? What are you going to do? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, they're trying to shut me up. I'm not going to be shut up. I'm going to talk about exactly what they're doing, and we're going to get deeper and deeper into what we think is the irregular connection between uh, the Annapolis bosses and the out-of-state beer companies. So that, uh, you know, I, I will... Uh, you know, fully anticipate uh, going all the way to the gates of hell <laughs> and uh, advocating for Maryland uh, craft. But, but you seem ready for the fight. I mean, yeah. you are ready to take this on. And even so much as where you've called on Speaker Bush's treasurer, his campaign treasurer, to step down. What's that all about? That is uh, part of a something that will be looked at down the road, which is a historic, unbelievable close connection between uh, his office I suggested that his treasurer, uh, who is a Budweiser distributor in Anne Arundel County, uh, should be replaced with someone who is obvious. I like the individual. I know him, but it's nothing personal. Neil, right? Yeah, Neil Katzif. Yeah. The issue is, do you really want that kind of an optic where you're talking about the special interest 
uh, not uh, having a uh, chokehold on the legislature, and yet the treasurer to your campaign who accepts the checks and writes all the checks for you is actually a Budweiser distributor? The response was, uh, oh, well, he also distributes some craft beer. Really? <laughs> Come on, guys. This is like, uh, you know, it's government 101. We, I believe in honest, accountable, transparent, competent government. And that is everything that the Annapolis political machine is opposed to. As we conclude this interview, and I'm, I hope we do more, I, I love when you come on, um, you tell the truth, and we get a lot out of it, and let me tell you, people always just, they love listening to you. Um, I, I can't help but notice that when you had your January 28th inauguration, fourth term now, you have this unique ability to assemble a coalition of people, of legislators, all over the state, Democrats, Republicans, independents. It was just in a, a very unique, eclectic mix of Maryland that showed up to come out and see you inaugurated for your for fourth term. You had the governor there. Um, you had uh, new Senator uh, Corey McRae, Julian Ivey, Jake Day, who's the mayor of Salisbury from the Eastern Shore. And I think there's something to be said. Uh, despite what you're facing here in Annapolis, you have an ability to put together a coalition, and uh, I don't think anybody can take that away from you. Yeah, 1,620,000 friends out there, and that is something that uh, I hope uh, both Democrats and Republicans realize is the result of my going out and visiting every nook and cranny of the state of Maryland, doing my job. We've got an award-winning agency here, even though the legislature has now got a full frontal assault I'm trying to get in and interfere with uh, the operations of the uh, of the Comptroller's Office, which is unbelievable to me. Uh, I've been a fiscal moderate, which most people are. I do have a positive relationship with Governor Hogan, which frustrates uh, the Annapolis bosses, but it's what people want. They want folks that are going to deliver to them what I call good government, honest, accountable, transparent, and competent. And uh, that's what I represent in Annapolis right now. It's, uh, you know, it's whenever you bring these reform efforts forward, you have to be prepared for a, a good, tough fight. And uh, we're going to persevere and we're going to win here. So, uh, well, what's that old? I have just, I've just started the battle, I guess. <laughs> and I often tell them that, uh, you know, the only thing uh, silent about Francho is. I was <laughs> just going to say that. I like that. That's that's good. It's good slogan. Yeah. You know, you commented earlier that you asked some of your leadership and these folks to comment on the Wasanti scandal. I mean, here was someone who, in this day and age, used one of the most disgusting words possible, and they chose to circle around and say no comment. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of the story. And they blame, and and then they turn and they say, uh, "Well, you can't uh, continue to ask because we've already told you no comment." Well, I mean, who is there? What what is this smoke filled back room? Who pays for it? Uh, how many people have gone to it over the last year? Uh, literally, uh, obviously, it's a since it's, it's an after hours cigar and booze place. It is a literal smoke filled back room where lobbyists and legislators get together. I've never heard of it, but someone ought to look at it. Do you think that should stop? That, no, that atmosphere? Someone should figure out who's been in it in the last year. 
Well, and uh, put a microphone in front of them and say, what the hell were you doing there? I ask questions. People don't want to talk on the record. It's frustrating. But look, I'm here in Annapolis. This is my first term covering this. And uh, I've gotten pushback from people in leadership. It's okay. Look, I'm, 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 a, I'm a scrappy kid from Hagerstown who can ask a question or two, and eventually we'll get to the bottom of the story. But, you know, I, I, I applaud you for your transparency. I, and look, from the media side of this, I got to tell you, Fran, uh, Comptroller Francho, we love Good Street Fight. I love watching this, and I think it's interesting how this will, will play out, and I see you smiling because it, it's fun. This is, this is fun because I don't know what's going to happen. If this was predictable, then I think this would be a lot less fun, but it's not, and uh, we have no idea how this will all transpire. But yeah, well, I that you're right. Thank you for your advocacy and your work, and I just, you know, hats off to the press because you're dependent upon uh, this, these bosses down here for certain access to information. So it, it's the culture and it's the system. Uh, it's going to change. Uh, right now, uh, there's a tremendous amount of fear and, uh, and intimidation that goes on down here. Yeah. I want to uh, applaud uh, you know, Governor Hogan for the fact that he and I and the Board of Public Works actually are making really substantive, positive differences that will affect uh, Marylanders' lives. But... Uh, it's highly irregular what goes on in Annapolis. And, uh, you know, dismantling part of an agency like mine because of a political grudge is really pretty outrageous. So we're going to uh, stick to our guns and uh, communicate with the voters. And wherever I go in Maryland, whatever people's ideology is, whatever their party affiliation is, they come up and say to me the same thing, keep fighting, you're going to win, uh, you're going to change things down there, and uh, that's the truth. And keep going to Sabatino's in, yeah. in, in uh, Little Italy, in Baltimore City. Comptroller Francho, thank you for, so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on and talking. Thanks, Ryan. All righty. Thanks. Thanks.